This seminar, entitled Building a Spirit-Filled Church Culture, was recorded at the 2019 Pioneer Conference in Malaga. The speakers are Henk and Uni Kirsten. On this uh, seminar, uh, Spirit-Filled Culture and Spirit-Activated Community. Well, Henk is going to share <coughs> about that uh, uh, topic, and I'm just going to share a little bit about uh, ourselves and uh, how we, um, you know, how our journey went, actually. So, um, we are Dutch. We've been married for 41 years. We've got four children and nine grandchildren. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a journey. Henk is from a, a Roman Catholic background, and Jesus met him when he was 18, and I'm from a, a Dutch Reformed background. And uh, Jesus met me when I was 12 years, so Henk was really radical, and, um, and me, you know, I was, uh, I, I became, uh, I met Jesus through my sister, who was in an absolutely uh, mess, and she was um, uh, touched by a conference with Billy Graham, and she came home, there was so much love uh, about her that, that really touches my life. And I, in a loft, I said to Jesus, you know, I, I would love to follow you. So, on the age of 12 years, we met um, the Youth for Christ. And it was all young people, you know, and uh, my hand was really on fire for Jesus. And I, I found very attractive in him. And we both uh, shared about Jesus and we prayed, but also had fun. And we had a group of people, but we both are really searching for more. And so we were, you know, we didn't know. We, there was in those days there was no internet, so you couldn't look, you know, where's the church. So for for us, it was just communicating, asking people. So in our a town in Harderwijk, where we uh, come from, in the middle of Holland, uh, we we came in this little uh, Baptist uh, church with about thirty people, and they um, they were all fire for Jesus, but really searching because, you know, there was not much revelation. <laughs> there was a love for Jesus, and they were open for the Holy Spirit. So um, I remember that was the first time we came in contact with, you know, with the Holy Spirit. And uh, sometimes it was quite extreme, but, you know, we could see the work because people were touched, you know, people were healed. And so every Sunday there was an opportunity to come forward and pray, uh, praying for... Um, for people, and so we went too, and uh, and one time we just were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that really changes our lives. So we got married in that church, and uh, so there are one of the leaders asked, "Could you do the teenagers?" And we said, "Well, we pray about it, right, because we prayed for everything. <laughs> we pray about it, okay." Um, and so we started this teenage group. And, we had two children at that time, and so it was in our house. We had fun, and Hank was taught them about Jesus and everything. So they became, you know, Christians, and they were baptized, and they took responsibilities, and yeah, the, the group grew, and we were just quite focused, and our, our lives were really into Harderwijk. You know, Harderwijk was the place. I, I, I'm a quite simple person, and I thought I would stay in Harderwijk for the rest of my life, and I will die there, you know. So, but um, then the leader had, uh, uh, had a relationship with England, uh, and that was in those days was Bryn Jones, uh, Carrie Jones, and Bryn Jones actually came to our church, and it was, it, it was, he talked about worship, and for me, I was crying and sobbing because he, he was saying about worship, you know, that it is when your child is crying, you don't know exactly what to do. You just take your child and you say, Jesus, we worship you, we give you glory. So I did that. I, ju I just did everything they said, you know. And, and so they invited us to, um, to their course in England. And it was in those days, it was in Keithley. And so we went there and um, there was this leaders course. And so we stayed there. For me, it was quite something because for me, it was kind of, talking about culture. For me, it was kind of a change culture. I couldn't speak a word of English. You know, it was very simple. And I, but I looked to the people there, and they were you know, in worship. They wanted to um, find out more. They studied, also had practice outside, had go teams to evangel 
evangeliseren is uh, evangelism. So you know, we did that, and uh, it was fun. And so really, God. Uh, uh, so for us, going through England was really losing everything because even my family, you know, it was just losing, and we, and we were free actually being there. And so at the end of the course, I was pregnant of the third. I had a, uh, 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 it was quite challenging too for me because I had the child there and, you know, I couldn't speak much English, but it was so helpful and, they, you know, the English are very caring, aren't they? Yes. Very caring. They're lovely. They really are. So that was, yeah, it was lovely. And so um, what happened was that and we opened and they were talking about church plans and everything. And so for us, we said, Lord, wherever you want to go, we go. So we did. And so we went back to, um, to hello, come in. And so we went back to um, Holland in Haarlem. This was, this was our first uh, kind of church we uh, joined in. And most of the other church plans, really, we were involved in was by invitation. So, um, from, let me see, uh, we had a few years in England, so we went back for a church plant in England. We, we were there for six years in Warrington, and that was later on when the kids were bigger. So, and our kids, our four kids were in school there, they learned English, and so yeah, it was, uh, and we had got friends, and as a church, we were quite, um, um, influence in in the community so it, it was quite you know we saw great things and we saw the spirit really moving so it was not only the spirit was not only moving in that inside of us and in our family but also around we saw people changed um, by the gospel and uh, we see, see people healed even in meetings we just you know worship and some people just were healed in the meeting you know, we were quite surprised, but that's what Jesus did. And he still does that now, doesn't he? Um, so it is wonderful. And so, yeah, from there on. So we have quite a bit of experience with um, church band. We had experience with different settings and with leadership. And uh, it, it was challenging. It was not always easy. And, you know, sometimes I was just like, uh, Hank was away quite a bit and I was with the four children and I remember one time I, I thought oh my dear I'm just only looking for the children it's the only thing I do and of course I have friends but I remember uh, me sitting on the settee and I cried I had a bit of a self-pity actually oh good <laughs> and so I said to Jesus I said you know the only thing Lord I do is just looking after the children and I really felt Jesus just sitting next to me and saying, you know, I know what you're doing. You're doing a great job. You influence your children. You're doing a great job. So what I did when Hank was away, I just, you know, shared. Papa's away. We're going to pray for him. You know, he's doing the right, you know, he's good things. And so talking positive and taking your children into the mission and sharing about that. That was, uh, for me, um, my, like, house group. <laughs> my children for a while, just, you know. And of course, she had uh, contact with other people, but uh, it was it was quite a challenge. So yeah, and, um, and then so yes, so um, that was in Warrington, and then we went back to Holland after well, uh, after six years, we went back to Holland, and so then we were based in Harderwijk, the church actually where we came from, and it was quite a mess in that church. Um, you know, immoral things, it was, it was not really good. But the Holy Spirit really spoke to our hearts and we just there and they asked Hank by prophecy to lead that church. So we were involved in that. And um, so in 1994, we got in contact with um, uh, Terry uh, Virgo and they, he invited us actually. He said, why don't you spy us out? Just come over Hank. Why don't you spy us out? So we went over and we connected with people. And from then on, we were involved in uh, new uh, frontiers. And so Dave and Liz Holder were quite involved. We've got all different people coming in. What a blessing is that really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When people come in and encourage and, you know, by the spirit takes, you know, takes us further really. Because it's all building the church, isn't it? 
and all those influence. So that was very, very helpful. And sadly, it, you know, it was a bit of a painful time for us. I'm not going to go in detail, but, but with friendship with Dave and Liz, uh, actually Dave uh, is amazing, his grace, talking about grace, but he's a man of grace. He, uh, <laughs> he invited uh, Hank in, in the team and, you know, and we're now just uh, traveling. And actually we are based in Maastricht as a church plant. And I found that quite challenging, you know, with going out to the different churches and being involved in, um, in the church plant. But it is wonderful. I don't know what happens in many years when you, you know, I see some from my age here, but for you youngsters, you know, in future, you know, just stay close to Jesus and just be open. Just whatever happens to you, be open for the spirit because sometimes you are, you know, in pain and sometimes you are maybe, you know, not knowing on a crossroad, not knowing where to go, but there is always and a way forward. So this is a bit of our journey and um, I'm fascinated by uh, the Holy Spirit because it's, it's from the beginning, isn't it? From Genesis through the whole Bible is the Holy Spirit. It's part of the Trinity. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, I'm fascinated by Acts. Yeah, they've been talking uh, quite a bit about that. And, uh, but, you know, how the Spirit leads you, how the Spirit stops you, how the Spirit, you know, uh, takes you to places where you think, oh, oh. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. And so for us, it's a, it's, it's, it's a privilege to be a child of God. And it's still uh, lots more to come. And it's, it's lots, lots more to discover Jesus and lots more. Um, but Jesus is our big example. He's the model of the Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered life. And we need him every day, don't we? So Hank is going to share a bit more about the topic. And, um, yeah. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Great. Okay. Yeah. Let me read uh, two passages together. They'll be on the screen. Uh, one from 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 to 13, and the other one from Genesis 2, verse 5. Uh, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. As we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. And then one more passage, Genesis 2 verse 5, where it says, when no bush in the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field did yet spring up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Um, and for a time together, uh, maybe uh, for me to share a little bit and then hopefully have some time either for questions. <coughs> I have prepared some questions as well, maybe to go in small groups and talk about that, but we'll see where we get. But, um, just to say this, that uh, I have not come with um, much biblical teaching in the sense of you writing down many notes on six points for this and seven points on that. So it'll be some of the things that I find helpful in our walk with the Holy Spirit also and how to cultivate that and help church with it. It'll be four or five points that would, might be helpful. Uh, so you won't come away with a lot of notes on, on much stuff, but I hope it will help you in thinking about these things and helping other people around us and around you to, um, uh, to minister to and help them forward. Um, 
uh, you know, and probably most of it, what I'm going to share is like, aha, I know this already. Uh, well, praise God. Um, uh, I was thinking about uh, what it says in 2 Peter, you know, it's, I know that you know it. I know that you're established in it, so you do it. But I keep reminding you. Um, so let me do the reminding bit. Um, but I believe it's going to help us. And uh, just the question of why is it so important for us to have the Holy Spirit central in everything that we do. Why is it that we are even having this subject? And I just want to remind you of a couple of things, what the Holy Spirit does. So it could help us to think about, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me just mention a few, there are lots more, but uh, one of the things says in John 16 verse 14, that the Spirit <laughs> glorifies Jesus. So how can the people with you, you know, we, we, we talk about the glory of God and glorify Jesus, but we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that in us. He knows Jesus. He knows how to do this. He's able to help us so that our times of being together is more than just singing a few songs. Um, we are here to glorify Jesus is what the spirit inside us will, will cry out. So we're here to glorify Jesus. And that's what we want of the people that we take with us. It's not about us, it's about the glory of Jesus. So we need the spirit for that. It also says that the spirit is our guide. In Romans 8 verse 14, those who are led by the spirit are sons of God. So if you need direction in your life, the church needs direction, where do we go from here? We need the Spirit. Um, so that's why we are desperate for that. Also, the Spirit awakens our faith. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 that it talks about having the Spirit of faith uh, through which we believe and speak. So we need, as a church and personally, the Spirit to live an adventurous life. You know, I'm a pretty dull person by myself. I need the Holy Spirit to bring adventure. And when I've been talking about it, it's been an adventurous life. We thought we'd been in, in Hardewijk for the rest of our lives and just like our neighbors. And we, we have neighbors those days, that's 41 years ago, they still live in the same place. Uh, we've been everywhere and uh, we enjoy it most of the time. It's been great, but it's an adventure. And it's not our adventure, it's the Holy Spirit's adventure through us. So we need him to awaken our faith. We need him to help us in our prayer life. It says that if you don't know what to pray for, the Spirit will come and he helps you to pray. And if you're like me, I know most of the time not what I'm praying for. I need his help. And you know, you come with people, they come from all kinds of backgrounds. We need the Holy Spirit to help us together in unity to pray. It's, 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 Amazing. The Holy Spirit, we need him to confirm that we are his children, that we are sons and daughters of God. It's a spirit of adoption. So the certainty of belonging doesn't come from trying hard to remember. <laughs> it comes from the Spirit inside us. Having the Holy Spirit to confirm that I am a child of God, it brings identity to the church. You know, the people that we now, they come from everywhere. The people that we meet in Maastricht right now, and they've got all different backgrounds, but the Spirit will help us and help them to bring that identity. And lastly, just for this moment, uh, the Spirit sanctifies us. It says in 1 Peter 1 verse 2, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. So holiness is not achieved by trying to keep away from things. It is, you know, that's part of it. But it's more than our willpower to sanctify us. We need the Holy Spirit inside us and the people that we take with us. We, it's, it's better that the Holy Spirit does it than we trying to work hard at one another. So I hope these things help to just see that why we need the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and I think the passage of, that I've just read from 1 Corinthians will help us with that. Because it says this, that it is the Holy Spirit who will reveal God to us. And it's described in theology as God is the only source of knowledge of himself. We cannot know God unless he reveals himself. He is inaccessible to us unless we receive his revelation. So we need God to see God. 
And so what the Holy Spirit does, as it were, he is diving deep into God and brings to the service that makes sense to you and me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So he knows God, he is God, he knows God. He brings out what is from God to the service so that suddenly you and I can see, you know. The Holy Spirit is not just there for us to have some gifts. He's not there to brighten up our meetings or enhance our ministries. He's there to reveal the Father to us and the plans of the Father to us. So what the Holy Spirit does, he goes into God and then he brings to the surface and then we say, aha. <laughs> he gives our aha moments and we suddenly see. And so all it needs is not us doing the hard work, but the Holy Spirit doing the diving, bringing to the surface and us being sensitive and see, and we respond. In the beginning, I thought it's hard work. It is in parts of it. But if I just skip that, I'm in trouble. I find that the Holy Spirit wants to do this. The Holy Spirit is digging deep. It's not just doing the diving, but the Holy Spirit does the diving, really. And he brings out the plans of God. So he brings to the service what God's plans are for you personally, but also what God's plans are for the church. And as a leadership, and if you're in church, we, we're desperate for direction, but he does this. But also in winning people to Jesus, the Holy Spirit helps us in witnessing. So what the Holy Spirit does, he brings what is from God and what is God himself to know God better. So he freely gives it to us. It's not his desire to keep things hidden from us. It's his desire for us to know. He wants to be our teacher. So what he does is he brings to the surface and attaches the right things to our lives and to our minds in the moment that we need him. So there's this constant equipping, which is never ending. So the Holy Spirit always equips us and he's always available. You know what, our spirit, if I live for my spirit, I'm aware of self. <coughs> but I live with the Holy Spirit that makes me aware of God himself. So I need more of him to be aware more of him. <laughs> so, so when we reach out and gather, it's vitally important to realize that only the Holy Spirit can bring a lasting effect and change in the lives of people. And I found that so helpful. Because at times you look at people, they come in and they're rough diamonds. And you think, how will they ever change? By the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is there present, he will make sure that that change will continue. We've got more certainty when we are open to pray for people to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit that that will have a lasting effect on their lives than just saying a few words without that. You know what I'm saying? <coughs> Some time ago I received an update, update of one of our contacts in Italy and it's a story of a Christian lady she's working in Italy as a language teacher at various schools and companies and she says this quite often I will only meet people once for a very short time and I'm convinced about the necessity to see people saved but also to see them filled with the Holy Spirit and she says this her testimony is this when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit how long is that person going to be able to keep God in a box I have to believe and trust that those dear folk I know now, who have now got the Holy Spirit in them will hear what God himself prompts in their hearts to cease praying to Mary, to believe for healing, to walk in freedom, to experience real freedom from religion and guilt and to live a life effective, with effective prayer. And that's just for those that we reach that are, you know, that we encounter with, but for ourselves, the Holy Spirit, for you and me, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our fortifier. 
He's the one empowering us. Not just power for miracles, but also power to persevere. Not just to start something, but to finish something. You know, and they've talked, we've been through some rough times in our lives. And as a person, I have probably given up many times. Many times I thought I'll, I'd rather be someone just have a job, be a school teacher, whatever, but not this, Lord. I've quit from leadership a couple of times, really. In, in my heart, I wanted to quit and go. But the Holy Spirit keeps pressing and persevering. He's the fortifier. When the, the going is tough, you know. So, you know, and we're in a new church plant right now, and I think great moments, but how many of us realize that planting churches is not a romantic journey? It's, it's, it's great, it's wonderful, but it doesn't come easy. <laughs> I saw a picture of the other day. You can't see it properly, but this is George. He's in the, the next seminar. I asked his permission, I asked his permission to, to put this photo on. He's here on the U-Bahn with a, with a sofa bed in the, on the U-Bahn. So he's got this big sofa bed and he's just getting some furniture from one side of Berlin to his home. You know, and he said, it, I said he was smiling. He said, yeah, but I wasn't smiling really because there were some couple of old ladies with sticks who were really annoyed not having any space. And, but he's there and it's amazing. But that's just bringing furniture. You know, church planting is just get to get there. You know, there's another picture, and that's taken a couple of Sundays ago from our church plant in Maastricht. You know, we've been, at summer, just before summer, we were told, while well, Martha, who's leading the church plant, Martha and Lisa, uh, were on holiday. The first day they were on holiday, we heard that we could no longer meet in our church building, that we were promised, we had a contract, but they just skipped the contract said, you can't meet anymore. From one Sunday to the next, whoa, had to find another building. So we were there a couple of weeks in that building, and then we turned up, people turned up at 9 o'clock to get everything prepared for the 11 o'clock meeting, and they were told, you can't meet here this morning. So what they did is they phoned around and phoned to a hotel on the other side of the river, and they said, yeah, we'll come, we can have you. So they were here on their bikes with all bags and everything and guitar and everything and kids were on the bridge here saying come on it's this side and we went over to the other side and we still had a great meeting on the other side in the hotel but that, that's the joys of church planting you know it's it and that's just just finding a place and we're just talking about some natural stuff what about the spiritual stuff what about all the rest we need the holy spirit for all of this so how do we keep this alive? How do we keep ourselves alive for the journey? And it says in Genesis, we read about in Genesis about this unpredictable uh, productive piece of land. Nothing is working. There's no vegetation. And it says there, it needed someone and it needed rain. It didn't start because there wasn't a person to do it and there was no rain. In one sense, really, God doesn't need you and me. It doesn't depend on you and me. God doesn't, God doesn't need any of us. Someone said this, the heavens would be as bright, the earth as beautiful, the waves of the ocean as sublime, the songs of the birds as sweet, without the input of any of us. But at the same time, the text does suggest to us that it's incomplete without you and me. Someone else said, without man, the world would be a school without a pupil, a theater without a spectator, a mansion without a resident, a temple without a worshiper. God doesn't need you and me. And we are utterly dependent on him. You know, when I was younger, I thought, once I grow older, I have more experience and my dependency will change. It has. The only thing is I'm not less dependent, I'm more dependent now than I've ever been before. I thought if I grow older, 
I become less dependent, more secure, more experienced. I can do more. I find I can do less. I need more of him than ever before. God can do without you and me. But praise God, he has chosen to do it with you and me. He wants to use you and me. He wants to develop and cultivate. And that's what the subject is of this morning. We are meant to partner with God to make things productive. So we don't possess the Holy Spirit. So I'm not here to say, we don't possess the Holy Spirit. He is, uh, we were singing, I was in, we were in Delft on Sunday, I was preaching in Delft in Holland, and they sang a song I've never sung before, but one of the lines was, come Holy Spirit and do what you will do. What you, come and do what you do. In the other, I don't know if you know the song, but come and do what you do. But basically, he does what he does. <laughs> we're just learning to yield to him. We don't possess him, but we yield to him. So God not only initiates, but when he initiates, he looks after. He's the cultivator. It says in John 15, I'm the vine. My father is the vine dresser, the gardener. The father has the knife. <laughs> And he prunes. He cuts back in order to see more. Isn't that a lesson from Gideon? That God said, it's too much. Cut back. Smaller. And then it's smaller. That's still too much. Just a bit smaller. But that's not the thought I have when I sit in a room with four people praying and think, well, this is whole city. Lord, I, we need more. Right, but God said, well, you need more of me. You need more of the Holy Spirit. We need more of his presence. It's amazing what God can do with a handful of people who are willing and obedient. God does the cutting back in order to protest. That's the, the story in the Old Testament with the widow with a little bit of oil. The lesson there, it isn't the amount, it is the obedience. Of faith. It's us and our willingness. So what does this cutting back mean? How does God cultivate? If we talk about the Holy Spirit, I find this, that the Holy Spirit will help us to cut back on things that are not essential to the things that are really his, his dealings. One of the essential things is the Holy Spirit himself. He wants to show us that what we should focus on. And things grow better when they are cultivated. You know, yesterday, uh, Jamie was talking about uh, pruning. Pruning is to lift up, to arrow, to face the light. So what is this cultivating about? <laughs> I find that cultivating is when we talk about things together. I find that most of the time things will fall into place when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. I find there is not much talking about the Holy Spirit sometimes in church plans. We talk about many things, but we forget to talk about. No, I'm not just mentioning teaching, but in the way that we are talking with one another. We feel there are so many things that we need, that need doing, that need touching on. Where do we start with this? What is most important? I think very important is to talk about the Holy Spirit. Don't do that at a later stage. Do that right at the beginning. Keep talking about the Holy Spirit. How much is the Holy Spirit in our conversations? Are we inviting people regularly to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit right at the start? What was the last time we invited people to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? I remember years ago, very early days, Terry Virgo, they was mentioning about this church. And how do I, Terry Virgo came to visit that church and Terry is very quiet when it comes to these things, but I, uh, on the way back to the airport, I said to Terry, Terry, is there anything that you feel we could learn from what, from your visit, what have you seen, other things that you feel we need changing. And he was very quiet for a while. He said, Hank, 
are there any uh, expressions of the gifts of the Spirit in your meetings at any time? Because I've missed them this morning. And I look back and I thought, oh yeah, we had no contributions. But his question did something in my heart and mind. And from that moment on, we started to talk about that as a leadership, and we were inviting the Holy Spirit. And what happened, and I think it's not just talking about things, but what it did is we were cultivating a hunger and thirst for more of the Spirit. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had our New Ground Church Camp, or Camp of Families of Churches, of the Family of Churches, together in Ashburnham. And I saw one of the guys, and I don't think he's very, I've never seen him as a very charismatic guy or open, but what he did every time there was a, an invitation for more of the Spirit, he's a leader. <coughs> he's a young guy, but he went forward and he wanted more of the Spirit. And his hunger and desire for more of the Spirit made me hungry and, des and full of desire for more of the Spirit. So I think one of the things to cultivate is not only to talk about it, another thing is to model thirst and hunger. I wrote him an email and said, your thirst and hunger has really developed something in my own heart. I'm hungry for more of the Spirit. And the key to receive is to be hungry and thirsty. Jesus, come. All you are who are thirsty, come and drink. Let me tell you, the biggest journey in my life on this is that I did not know how to be hungry and thirsty and how to drink. I, I, I struggled with it. Do you know why? Because I think I was dependent on things myself. I was so confident that I was confident enough. But I, was, I did not know how to drink. I needed to learn to drink. And I'm still learning. I find the biggest help in cultivating a spirit-filled community is by people that are thirsty. And it starts with me, with us. If we're not thirsty and ever show any thirst for the Holy Spirit, you can talk till the well, cows come home. And it won't work. Because it's, Jesus said, oh, come, oh, you are thirsty. And drink. I think people ran forward that were thirsty. I need that. I need people around me who are thirsty. Because if I see someone worshipping for Jesus and totally tears down their, their cheeks, and it makes me hungry for more. I want more of that in my life. And Jesus makes this great invite in, in John 17. He said, come. He's not explaining about the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying... We shouldn't explain, we should teach into it. But it's not about teaching before we receive. Don't replace it. Have a church, have a people around that are thirsty for more, willing to be open for more of the Spirit. I think it's a big lesson. Hunger and thirst are contagious. You know, some leaders might not be the most gifted in that area, but they can model by their thirst. You can model it in your leadership meetings. Some years ago, Renee and I spent half a year in a church in the UK. And every meeting, during worship, there was a variety of contributions. Every meeting. Different people. So you know, sometimes you come in church and it's the same people every Sunday. There were different people every time. Young people. Most of them very, very young people, but passionate. They came with tongues and interpretation and scripture and prophetic and every meeting full. It was very refreshing for us. So any leadership meeting, wherever we went, the gifts were operating. And then after a few months being there, we were invited to a, a meeting with the leaders of small groups in that evening. So the, the room was filled with people who were all um, leading small groups. And you know, 
what the first question is that they were asking the small group leaders over this last month have any of the gifts been operating in your small groups that was the first question what gifts were the new people just stepping out in faith was a an encouragement to uh, that was the first question that never came to my mind. I never had that question in small group leadership. But they encouraged and developed that as something that what that were looking for. So there was a hunger and thirst. So hunger and thirst. Talk about it. I would say another one is prayer. It's a big one. Notice this passage in Acts 4 this of, of, of uh, Peter and John being taken captive put in prison for the night and then they come out and so they go back to the church and they start to pray with the church. Uh, you know, the, the first thing they come back to is what the essence is of every church is a community of prayer. But in that community of prayer, they were seeking God and the Holy Spirit fell on the place and the place was shaking, it says, in John 4. So what were they praying for? What was the reason for them to pray? They prayed that God would intervene. They prayed that the presence of God would take over the place. Well, the presence of God took over the place, the place was shaken. But the thing is this, the focus wasn't on themselves. The focus was on the mission. On the advance of the kingdom. To find strength, to persevere, to continue. To not be intimidated by their surroundings not to respond in fear to people around them not to freak out or to give in but to stand and hold and be strong you know i need the holy spirit in the whole area of perseverance how do you get a strong church how do you fortify it from the inside by the holy spirit and by prayer god loves prayers that will bring the holy spirit down or up or wherever <laughs> the holy spirit to have the presence of the Holy Spirit, pray and ask God and be radical from the beginning. You know what I find is a challenge in church planting? You've prayed for people and we've prayed for people for a long season. We prayed for two years. And then the moment came to go public. And then you don't want to look weird. Because now finally you've got people there, you don't just want to be as normal as possible. But you have to be careful that the normal as possible doesn't push your Holy Spirit out. <coughs> because you're no longer normal. It is abnormal to have a church without the Holy Spirit present. It's abnormal. Fear can creep into our minds. If we think about these things, when we listen to the voices of the media, and we're looking to our towns and we see the secular society, it's at times a bit fearful. It's a bit like you can fill your mind, you know. I was thinking about this couple, uh, you know, many, many years ago, but they were growing, wanting to go to New York together. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, it, was, it wasn't in the news so much, but their neighbor said, you know, don't go to New York, you know, don't go to the place, you know, there are robbers and, and you know, they, 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 you know, they mug you, they, they, they kill you if they can, they've got, they've got guns there. And um, so, but the, the couple said, well, we still want to go to New York, you know, we, we want to see the place. So they went up to New York and they went into this hotel and they went up to the room, came down to the foyer to go out for a meal. And then suddenly this lady, she just remembered, she forgot her purse and, so she said, I'll go back to the room and I'll go back up and I'll, I'll be down in a minute. So she went into the elevator and as she stepped into the elevator, this big, huge guy uh, stepped in the elevator with a dog. So they both went there and she was in the elevator and she was in the slip and then the thing went up and suddenly the guy said, down. And then <laughs> she went down. But the guy really was referring to his dog, you know? <laughs> So the dog was down, the lady was down, but she was down because of this thing in her mind saying, the muggers and robbers, they kill you. Sometimes our mind can be filled up. 
That's the beauty of a David. As a young teen, I don't know how that happened, but as a teenager boy, in his camp, he was full of fear on the one side with Saul and the army, afraid of Goliath. And Goliath was dominating their minds. But David came in with God dominating his mind. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. It's not something I can work up. But God can keep me from fear. You know, I, it's amazing what we just heard with Paul and what's happening. And you think, you know, the way that he's saying, you know, if it brings anything to your heart, come over, because it's not a natural way. I think, well, that's right. I wouldn't go. But I found in Paul a man that God is dominating that. He is inspiring this. We need more of the Holy Spirit and that. It's not the number of people that pray. It is the nature of our prayers. God loves prayers, not maintenance prayers, but mission prayers. He wants mission prayers. You know, it's that underlying faith that God cannot resist answering. Here were guys, they come out of prison. They've taken some beating, but they said, we're ready to go again. So how do you kill today? talk about a lot be thirsty be hungry for more pray and can I say lastly do some don't do something there's some things to do and there's one thing not to do and there might be many more things but this is what I thought about in my preparation there's something we shouldn't do when it comes to the Holy Spirit it says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. The word quench is to vanish, to extinguish a fire, to cause a vervent activity to cease. And I could be someone to seize the activity of the spirit. And I find that a very sobering thought, that that can happen. You know, when you think about quenching the spirit, you think about people doing this deliberately, having these balaclavas on and their mean faces and the quenching spirit. You know, that's not it. We quench by not responding. If we hear God speak, if we hear prophetic words, if things are happening and we don't respond, we quench the spirit. It's almost as simple as that, and that's sobering. If God wants to do something, but I'm just, whatever. Quenching is really ignoring. You know when Paul had this dream about this guy in Macedonia, come over and help us? What does he do? He shares this with his team, and he says this, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So God gives a dream, he speaks about it, they all agree, we need to go, and they went. That's amazing, isn't it? They fueled the word. So, to cultivate and activate the spirit-filled community, Partner with the Holy Spirit to become productive and be open for the Spirit to bring the deep things of God to the surface, <coughs> to have aha moments in God and allow God to prune back and be sensitive to know where the Holy Spirit is directing you. Don't take on a lot, take on the things that God has said. Stay hungry, model first. Be open to receive, pray, and do not quench the spirit. Be ready when God speaks. Amen. Amen. I think we got either a couple of, we've got about 15 minutes to either answer some questions. I've got some questions. 
uh, that we could you could talk about in uh, groups that'd be great but there might be in Ahmed's questions that you have that I might be able to answer and I might not be able to answer but we'll see but is there anything that comes to your mind you think I'd love to hear your mouth You mentioned in Hyderabad when uh, Terry came and that, that story that you shared. When hearing that and going back to the church in Hyderabad, how did you implement more of the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Spirit and how did the church respond to that? Very good. Good question. Did you hear the questions how about what happened in Hyderabad and when Terry came um, and we, uh, we were challenged by that, how did you then go from there, model that into the church. Uh, what we did is we talked about it as a leadership team and then we uh, concluded we didn't know enough know enough on uh, like uh, the um, the gift of tongues wasn't operating at all, tongues and interpretation we didn't. So we then uh, asked others to help how do we look at this. So we um, because at the beginning we thought that you had a, the gift of tongues was like a, a covered up prophetic word. <laughs> so, but we understood later that it's glorifying Jesus. So there's a tongue and under this glorifying to Jesus. So there's a, or a prayer that really exalts and glorifying God. So what we did, we did share it with the leaders and then we practiced as a leadership team. So we just went in and leadership said, okay, let's be open. And let's, have, let's believe God for a tongue and let's believe God for an interpretation of tongue. So that's where it started. And uh, we then challenged the, uh, our leadership team to actually be upfront and model it to the church. So we said, come on, come on, let's, let's believe God for this. So we then had this in reality worked out in various meetings. All of us were challenged to just, hey, come on, let's do this. So I'm, I felt the weight of that too, so we were up from the name myself and others to, to lead and give the example. And as it came into leadership, it then came and spread. And then the whole thing came of words of knowledge and, you know, it's, and, you know, but it's the way that we did it is to model it in a smaller group and um, believe that we would do this in the small group settings with small group leaders and then carry on and help the church that way. Is that yeah. helping? I think this is a very similar question and you may have already answered a lot of it, but in many churches you get a few people who move in spiritual gifts yeah. and then a lot of the rest are very passive yeah. and just observe how do you move from that situation to a, a whole body ministry? Very good. Yeah, it's a challenge I think. That's why I believe what you do, you should do in early days. Because in early days, you have, uh, uh, once, if you're, some people are shy people, and they tend to back away from anything that's positive. And they need more encouragement, and encouragement will come, so they'd probably be better off starting in the small group setting. I'm a shy person, and I started with me just in a very small group. I'm not a very good public person, and I shy away quickly. I need encouragement. Uh, sometimes you need a little bit of help. Uh, and I've, I have needed a little bit of help, and I found people that helped me mentally, uh, mentally me that way. And said, come on, I believe you've got something to say. Be open. So uh, sometimes people just need to help with this. I'm not saying manipulate them with this, uh, but I'm just saying sometimes, you know, as a shepherd of the flock, you know, you but it helped them. Uh, it helps talking about this and uh, about the normality of what we are facing. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, so if you have a high thing starting there, it doesn't help. But it helped develop developing things in a in a small group better. Uh, but the challenge will always be there because some people are more gifted that way, uh, and they probably feel more. It's more something that they feel 
they can handle it. Some people are better in the public setting. I don't think it's for everyone to do the same thing, but there is a place for development and growth. And yeah, I wish it was the whole body all the time, but we have to believe that the Holy Spirit does what he wills and chooses people, but then that people need to become sensitive. It's learning to be sensitive to what the Spirit says and helping people that way. And we'll see it develop. Yeah. Is that okay? Okay, that's pretty good. Um, for us, it was quite helpful from time to time to do uh, prophetic exercises with yeah. people in the church in small groups, at a big setting, but in small groups. Hmm. And also, we, we are trying not to elevate too, hard, too much persons who had the gifting of prophesying hmm. so that the others would be discouraged right. that they do not have what the others have. So, yeah. we are experimenting. Yeah, good. Great point. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I've heard Dave Holden recently challenge that Spirit could get them not primarily for a Sunday morning meeting, but actually when we're yeah. out in the world. Um, any comments on how, you know, how we speak that, how we encourage that? Yeah, very good. Excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I believe that um, it's not, like I said, it's for the mission. I believe that, you know, it says at the beginning that the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be my witness. So it's this, it's mission oriented and not me, uh, meeting oriented. Um, personally, it helped me. And sometimes what you do need in church is give, make room for testimonies, how that works. I've seen examples in Dale's church about testimonies and how people have, uh, how, how the Holy Spirit has met them to meet people in the street. And to give an example personally, is, um, uh, I think Tanani is more, uh, more gifted in this area. She's more sensitive in this area than I am. She's more a prophetic lady and, and, and God speaks to her and then she'll go up to someone and speak to someone that way. I've had a couple of times. I've had ones, I'll just give you one example of a guy that I knew was, uh, well, I knew him, um, who was a neighbor just on the corner from us. Uh, we lived uh, not where we live right now, but he, I saw something was, he was in trouble. There was something in his, I saw something in my, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said, there's something in his marriage. And he struck him a big time. And uh, I just want you to go and, and talk to him. And uh, actually, I sat down with him in the park and we had a long conversation. And God spoke to me and I was able to pray with him. And uh, it's being sensitive to God that way. And uh, again, I believe it's something that we can all develop and help one another with. But it does help if we have our meetings where there is testimony of what the Holy Spirit does on a daily basis rather than everything happening in the meetings. Mm -hmm. So if you have a room in your meetings for testimonies to come, where did we find the Holy Spirit speaking to us, you know, when you were at your work? What was God saying to you? That helps people think, oh yeah, it's for this that I am. And it helps, you know, speaking in tongues, for instance. It's helped me big time in my work in the past when I was working in a hospital. I've a number of times that speaking tongues God really helped me through this. And so testimonies like that will help people say, oh yeah, it's for the bigger picture, not just the local. Mm -hmm. Yeah? So I'm not sure if that question fits in here, but uh, did you experience also the gifts of healing in your congregations? Yeah. <coughs> and, uh, yeah, again. Sometimes there wasn't urgency. I remember once that uh, we had this, well, it's a, big, uh, a long story, but uh, of a young person. And for us, it was a big healing that took place. For some God, really, someone, a leg that wouldn't function, no muscles, there was an accident, no muscles were functioning, no sinews were there, he had no feeling for them, or they wanted to amputate his leg. A young guy, 40, 14 or 15 years old. But I thought the Holy Spirit said, don't amputate flag, 
<laughs> I want the healing. So I said to the parents, don't let doctors touch that lad, let's, let's pray for the changes. Uh, which was <laughs> right away. But we, we, we went as a church, we prayed, and the doctor said that he would never, it would never move because there were no muscles, there was no nothing there. But God, while we prayed, touched his leg. Sinews were going back, uh, muscles were going back, and the guy, he, he's not fully functional, he can't run like you and me, but he's fine. And uh, God did a major, major work. But it was because God spoke to us. Then we find that we have prayed for people and we have not done anything. <coughs> We've seen people healed. Um, it's, uh, it's more, I think, we, at times we've seen it when God spoke to us clearly about the need of God. So I think speaking of, it's again, this is the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, I pray for anything. We pray for anything. We pray for any healing because we believe God will work through this. Uh, if it's not through our hands, then it'll be the next one. But, so I've got to pay for it. At the same time, we have to leave it up to God as well. So I struggle with it at times. I think in church and searching church planting, it's not always easy when it doesn't work, but we just want to encourage faith and absolutely faith. Yeah. Uh, how do you order things in, in, in a service? If you think Either somebody is going along the wrong lines or, or getting a lot of contributions that are leading in the wrong direction. Yes, good point. <laughs> Again, it depends on the setting, I would say. If you start early, um, it, it depends how we look at prophetic. How much weight you put on prophetic words? I think if we don't allow for that space, you won't find many people actually committing themselves to it. If there's too much of correction in the beginning, it's difficult for people to proceed in this. It's better sometimes, sometimes, if it's really wrong, you need to say something, but if it isn't, then have a bit of leeway and grace and love. But then bring out the things that God has been speaking. If you are weighing things as a leadership, come back to prophetic words that have God been saying the week before and say, hey, God spoke about this earlier on. So you emphasize the ones that, or you can do that at the, in the meeting itself as well, say, hey, well, God spoke about this. So I think it, being careful that you don't dismiss but at the same time you need to lead, so I, to be honest, I don't find that easy. It's something, because I'm a bit of a people person, and I find it difficult if I have to, you know, so it, some people are better at this. Uh, I'm on a learning curve in this all the time. Um, but we want to encourage the people right from the beginning that please be open to God. I love, you know, there's a couple of, I think a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, no, it was two months ago, we, uh, Angela Khan, who was in the other seminar, was, she was in Brussels, and we were there with a group of leaders, and I think what I loved about what she was doing, really helping her, is to just say to some to a person, what is in your mind right now about this person? And then she expresses that, what do you think God is saying in this? And then this lady expressed what God, she felt God was saying in this. That's fantastic. So it was an encouragement. It wasn't actually what we would classify as a very prophetic word, but it was prophetic. But there was, she was helped in expressing it. And I think we want to encourage the help in expressing it. Not to put it down, but at the same time, there's a different way to that one than if God gives direction to people, and then you have to wait. That's a long answer, I think, but are you okay with this, yeah? Yeah. It's time. Sure. Sure. Right. Yes. Hope you have a great Yes. Do you actually do? Hi. 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 H
Thank you. 